AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for May 23rd, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS venue, man. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday nights, wherever you may be. You know... I find it funny, man. I, I really I really do find it funny how last week, Sasha Banks and Naomi left the show and they were the most interesting part of the show last week. Nothing on last week's show even came close to being interesting or as interesting as Sasha Banks and Naomi. Fast forward to this week and it's still the same thing. Sasha Banks and Naomi are the most interesting part of Monday Night Raw, and they weren't even in the fucking building tonight. This show sucks. I got people arguing with me online. Why do you watch? Why do you complain? Why do you watch something that you hate? Put your energy towards something a little bit more constructive. Blow me, please. My God, I never seen so many fucking idiots in my entire life. I'm in some fucking mood tonight, man. Seriously. I had a caffeinated fucking cold beverage before that I didn't know that was caffeinated. And I had a large cup of coffee all during Monday Night Raw, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. This show sucks. WWE clearly gave you a rerun of last week's show. And we are less than two weeks away from Hell in a Cell. And WWE's booking tonight pretty much was, and I quote, we don't give a shit about this show or next week's show or last week's show or any show on Monday night for that matter. We just want to get through this waste of time D-level pay-per-view known as Hell in a Cell. That was the basis of tonight's show. That was pretty much it. Becky Lynch. And Asuka in the main event, again, again, Becky Lynch adds herself to the WWE Women's Championship match for Monday Night Raw. I love how everybody cursed me out within the last 24 hours. I appreciate you guys joining me last night on OTS 431 with 3,000 fucking people inside the venue on a Sunday night for about three hours. I love how people love to clip the part of the show where I called Becky Lynch a B-I-T-C-H, a bitch. And I love how they just completely skipped over the one hour of absolute fucking truth 
that I spoke about in regards to Sasha Banks and Naomi, but they want to harp on that one little iota of a detail. All I heard today was, oh, well, you know, she she aided in Kyrie Sane and helped her when she got a concussion. She uh, helped put over Bianca Belair at, uh, at WrestleMania. And, and all this other fucking nonsense that they want to come to me with, with as far as excuses are concerned. Becky Lynch, all I heard last week, right? Oh my God, Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch. She opted to put over Oscar, right? I heard it today. Oh, Becky Lynch put over Oscar. That was last week. Now we're this week. Now we're in this week. This is this week's Monday Night Raw. Becky Lynch put over Oscar last week. What happened this week? What happened this week? Becky Lynch wins, kind of making last week irrelevant. Right, and now we're going into Hell in a Cell. It's a triple threat match. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Asuka for the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. Who the fuck do you think is going to come out looking like a loser in a week and a half? Is it going to be Becky Lynch? No, it's not going to be Becky Lynch. You fucking morons. It's going to be Asuka. So, goodbye. Goodbye, Empress of yesterday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit, man. This is the type of fucking toxicity that I have to get thrown at me on a Monday night, man. Meanwhile, a bunch of nimrods, a bunch of blithering fucking idiots with the IQ of a fucking pencil, they tweet me in their disgust because I don't enjoy Becky Lynch's fucking obviously terrible shtick on Monday night. Wow. What the fuck was she wearing tonight, man? What was she wearing, man? Seinfeld is one of my favorite comedies of all time. You made me look at your fucking wardrobe tonight with my eyes cross-eyed and my fucking laughter bellowing out throughout my entire living room because Becky Lynch opted to dress like a fucking pirate tonight. Now, I don't know if she's standing with Johnny Depp in this case with his fucking, uh, whoa, Amanda Heard, whatever the fucking name is. I don't know if Becky Lynch was paying homage to Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if Becky Lynch was feeding her baby just moments before and she had one big fucking bib on herself so the baby didn't spit up on her. She looks ridiculous. She looks absolutely ridiculous. And whatever the fuck they're doing with the women's division is even worse than what they're doing with Becky Lynch, man. Awful. Absolutely awful. She's one of the worst parts in... All of WWE, no question. So that was the main event. Oh, joy, oh, joy, man. Such exhilarating television. We got uh, Jerry the King Lawler. He had a King's Court tonight with Veer Mahan. Right, Veer Mahan, we'll talk about that. That was some awful fucking television. We got Cody Rhodes and The Miz in a one-on-one match. Don't know why we needed another match between Cody and The Miz. But clearly it ended in a disqualification because WWE just doesn't give a shit. They don't give a shit. More Bobby Lashley and Omos. More Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan. They're selling that match going into Hell in a Cell with Edge and AJ Styles. I don't know, man. I can't bring myself to fucking care. I can't. I can't. It is all just boring and lifeless. Matt Riddle. He opened the show. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He opened the show seemingly planting seeds for a singles run for Mr. Matt Riddle. 
Dave Meltzer seems to be correct in his reporting where Matt Riddle and Roman Reigns is the scheduled match for Money in the Bank in Las Vegas. So we will go over what happened there in the open of Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw, largely a terrible, terrible program. But that is the norm on Monday night. Also, I got news on Sasha Banks and what WWE is thinking this week internally. And one major detail that WWE seemingly has opted to leave out of their story. So we will go over what that is tonight on Off The Script, man. Thank you guys very much for joining me on this Monday night. I appreciate you all. We got 2,400 people in the venue, man. I'm looking at it. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. If you missed last night's live stream, man, we had 3,000 large in the venue. Go check that out. Off the script, 431. Is WWE pushing Sasha Banks right into the open arms of Tony Khan and AEW? It is a discussion that we certainly need to start having. So make sure you guys go check that out. Bunch of topics on yesterday's show. We talked about Stephanie McMahon walking away. We talked about Ric Flair and him coming back to in-ring competition, sadly, at StarCast 5. So if you guys missed any of that stuff, it is on the channel right now. Go and check it out. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to all the new followers, man. We are 400 followers, less than 400 followers away from 40,000 followers on Twitter, man. I believe that is the number. Let me see. Yes. 400. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you guys very, very much. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, it's a great way to keep up to date on everything happening on the channel. Hit that thumbs up. I see 620 likes and 2,400 people in the venue, man. That doesn't really add up to me. I need, I need you guys to hit that thumbs up. A thousand is the minimum tonight. So make sure you guys go and do that. Uh, memberships. You guys want to become a VIP right here on Off The Script. All you got to do is hit that join button down below. So make sure you guys become a channel member and support. Great way to support Off The Scripts. Also, get your super chats in. We'll go over all the super chats and hang out with our cold beverages at the end of the show. So get them on in. Let me know what you guys think of the Sasha Naomi situation that broke today, the news that broke today, what you thought of Monday Night Raw, and how horrendous Becky Lynch looked on Monday night wearing her Jerry Seinfeld-inspired fluffy pirate shirt. Also, go get your new T-shirt, man. We got a new T-shirt on Bonfire.com, the dawn of the IWC, man. I look like a fucking boss in that picture. You got to admit, man. You got it, baby. I look like a fucking boss in that picture, man. Go get your t-shirt. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of this t-shirt. And of all the -the off-the-script merchandise that your heart desires, go check that out. Bonfire.com is the place. And make sure you guys check out my sponsor for today's show, man. Tonight, we're sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout. Make sure you guys go and do that. Father's Day is coming up, man. There's no greater gift than giving the gift of Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Make sure you guys go and check them out. And I want to thank them for once again supporting the podcast right here on Off the Scripts. Let's get into the Sasha Banks news, man, because honestly, there was nothing on Monday Night Raw that really was 
interesting at all, like usual on Monday night. Sasha Banks and Naomi. Apparently, as the story goes, they left the arena. They dropped the titles on John Laurinaitis' desk, right? The tag team titles. And they walked out of the building. And then WWE, they had to change what was announced at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. They had a six-pack challenge, right? Six-pack challenge was announced. And then all of a sudden, we started hearing news that they walked out. And then in the middle of the show, Becky Lynch and Adam Pearce have a segment. And Becky Lynch pitched, apparently, to wrestle Asuka in the main events to fill in for what was not going to be a six-pack challenge. Now, when the news broke, you would expect to read and find out that, oh, well, WWE had a six-pack challenge. They changed it during the live show. And Sasha Banks and Naomi, the way that it all transpired, you would think that they had walked out around 7 o'clock, 7.30, even then, or walked out during the middle of the fucking show while the show was live on the USA Network, or at least closer to the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Today, there was news from a friend of Sasha Banks and Naomi that now confirms that they left hours before Monday Night Raw last week before their match was advertised. So the fallout is continuing with this ever-growing saga of Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out of last week's Monday Night Raw due to creative differences with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. In WWE statement issued on the night of the situation, they stated Banks and Naomi walked into head of talent relations John John Laurinaitis, people power. Johnny Laurinaitis' office, with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team titles on his desk and walked out during the show. WWE also claimed in the statement that Banks and Naomi were uncomfortable with two of their opponents in the six-pack challenge as well as feeling disrespected as champions. Now, being disrespected as champions and feeling disrespected as champions is the only truthful statement in that entire situation. Banks and Naomi were not uncomfortable with anybody in that match. They've been in the ring with all of those women at some point or another. That was just WWE's way of burying them and making them look like fools live on air for what they did. However, a friend of Naomi and Sasha Banks mentioned on Twitter today that both were gone by the time that the rundown sheet was just printed for the show, implying that WWE had plenty of time to change the format of Raw without issue. Now, I don't know if you guys think that's a big deal or not but I find it to be a big hiccup in WWE's side of the story here. So we watch the show and we all are watching and they're changing the main event on the fly during the show. And we're thinking that Sasha and Naomi had just left the building right at the start of Monday Night Raw. But this guy, the same guy, Adidas on Twitter, mentioned that they had left hours before Raw was even live on the USA Network and left hours before an official run sheet 
was even printed for the show. So WWE had all this time to change the match for Monday Night Raw last week, and they did not change the match. Now, granted, the reports during the week stated that Vince McMahon had no idea that Sasha Banks and Naomi had even left the building until around the start of the show when he finally got word from his fucking circus of managers backstage. So I get that part, but my goodness, man, you are burying both of them because somebody clearly did not do their job. Like I said, this is all now becoming a smear campaign against Sasha Banks. Johnny People Power clearly fucked up because he knew that they had left. If they left hours before the show even started and threw, threw their belts on his desk hours before the show, John Laurinaitis purposely withheld that information from Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard and everybody else in management to purposely make them look bad. John Laurinaitis is an absolute fucking dick rider for Vince McMahon. He is an absolute fucking cocksucker to the boss. You don't think that this man on a normal day is going to go back to Vince McMahon and get in his ear about something? He's already standing there with his fucking pants hanging down in front of Vince McMahon. But on this night, he, he opts not to tell anybody, not anybody, that it would get back to Vince McMahon in a timely fashion, and then they could change all these hours that they had, change the main event match for Monday Night Raw. Instead, they purposefully left the main event the way it was advertised, and then WWE wants to go on air and tell everybody that Sasha Banks and Naomi were unprofessional. They had the balls to tell everybody that Sasha Banks and Naomi were unprofessional on Monday Night Raw. Wow! Oh my God. You can't be fucking serious. This is why I said last night, whatever WWE's side of the story is, it's no side to the story. The only side that we give a shit about and the only side that really matters is Sasha Banks and Naomi. WWE had the fucking balls to say that both of those women were unprofessional. Meanwhile, everything I just told you about this situation and this revelation from Sasha and Naomi's close personal friend is the very definition of unprofessional. Wow. It is fucking amazing, man. The more I hear about this shit is... It's, it's, it's comedy. It's a fucking comedy show. Seriously. That's what it has divulged into. So then there was a report that WWE has zero plans for Sasha and Naomi to return. There are no plans for Sasha Banks and Naomi. Brian Alvarez uh, reported this on the Wrestling Observer Live, and he says this in regards to Sasha Banks and Naomi creative plans. Alvarez says, and I quote, perhaps you missed what they announced on SmackDown. They, meaning Sasha and Naomi, have let you down. Millions of fans let down when they walked out of Monday Night Raw on Monday. I think collectively as a fan base, we were all let down by the fucking terrible show. 
that we got on Monday night. They have, in fact, been stripped of the women's tag team titles, and they've been suspended indefinitely. WWE apparently does not expect them back anytime soon because they are no longer figured into creative plans. Ringside News then reported that while no official mandate has been handed down, creative is no longer pitching ideas for Banks and Naomi, and the feeling is that it is pretty obvious to everyone that they are gone. Originally, Banks was scheduled to face Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and Naomi was scheduled to wrestle Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell for the Raw Women's Championship. Brian Alvarez then confirmed Ringside News report about creative not working on anything for them right now. He said they, right now, are at a point where they have zero plans for them to return. There is zero talk whatsoever about the two of them as it pertains to creative. So when they stripped Sasha Banks and Naomi, Michael Cole was told to advertise a future tag team women's tournament that will be going down in the weeks to come. But everybody, including me, I've been saying this since the titles have been fucking born, that this was a waste of fucking time. WWE now is going to be forced to give us a tournament since they now sold us on the fact that they're going to crown new tag team champions with a fucking tournament. Brian Alvarez noted this aspect on Wrestling Observer Live, and he said that WWE's planning to bring in teams from NXT to fill the tournament. He says, and I quote, they have sent word down to NXT to think about some women that might be able to be a team. That's where they are right now. So you might see Casey and Caden get called up because we need teams. Alvarez pointed out how WWE hasn't put a lot of focus on the division and they only have a couple of actual teams. They have two teams on the main roster, none of which are actual teams. Doe Drop and Nikki Ash, Shayna Baszler, and Natalia. That is it. That is all they have on the uh, Carmella and Zelina, but they broke up twice already. Nobody's going to want to see them get back together. There's legitimately no other fucking teams on the main roster. Alvarez speculated that the NXT teams would only be used for the tournaments and would not officially be part of the main roster. So what's the point of having NXT Tag Team Champions, Women's Tag Team Champions, on Tuesday night if you're only going to call up the fucking tag teams in NXT to compete in a tournament for the other set of tag team championships? Why do we have Women's Tag Team Champions on NXT if this is what we're doing? Why don't we call up everybody from NXT, get them involved here, get rid of the NXT Tag Team Championships, which... You know, we we always say that the women's tag team titles on the main roster don't make any sense. The NXT Tag Team Championships are right there as far as the women's tag team championships are concerned. None of them are necessary. They're both paperweights. Both sets of titles are huge paperweights. Why don't we just get rid of the NXT Tag Team Championships and have the original concept of the main WWE Tag Team Championships for the women float between Monday, Friday, and NXT 2.0? I don't understand what's so difficult about making a level-headed decision such as that. WWE doesn't give a shit about tag team women's wrestling. Why are we even entertaining the thought of a fucking tournament? My God, how stupid can you be? Get 
rid of the titles. That's all I have to say about that. Nobody wants them. Nobody cares. And you're going to make yourself look like a bunch of fucking fools if you try and book a tournament with barely any fucking teams. And if you got NXT teams in there, it's going to go off and fucking bomb like usual. Does anybody else remember the Queen's Crown Tournament? Do you fucking trust these people to run a women's tag team tournament? They'll run through it in record time, just like they did the Queen's Crown Tournament. Nobody gives a shit. You, me, WWE, Vince, Bruce, Johnny Ace. Nobody gives a shit. Just fucking burn the titles and be done with it. But I find it very, very funny how WWE clearly knew that they left at the hour that they did well before Monday Night Raw even went live, well before that there was even a fucking run sheet for what was happening on the show. And they let the show happen with the advertised six-pack challenge only to then embarrass Sasha Banks and Naomi claiming that they were unprofessional. But WWE knew ahead of time. Everybody knew ahead of time. It just didn't get back to Vince McMahon. The people who fucking write this show knew that they weren't there. The people who approved the fucking show knew they weren't there. Yet you go on air live on Monday night and claim that they're both unprofessional. Meanwhile, WWE showed you how unprofessional they really are in what I deem the Sasha Banks smear campaign. This is all petty bullshit, and there's only one side of the story, and it's not WWE's. That's all I got as far as that is concerned, man. We're going to get into the Monday Night Raw post-show. The Iconics were entertaining. Can't be... What? Can't be a denier? The Iconics were fucking garbage. Matt Danger in the chat. You clearly support mediocrity, man. Get the fuck out of my live stream. The Iconics are fucking garbage. Never have I seen a worse tag team in my entire fucking wrestling life. My God. How you can find them to be an actual fucking tag team worth anything, man. Shows the type of person that you really are, man. I don't even want to see what the fuck you do with your own life because I'm sure it's soiled in mediocrity, man. That's not what I do. I strive to be the best, and so does Sasha Banks. Get the fuck out of my chat and get the fuck out of my venue. Moving on. Let's go to Monday Night Raw, man. Let's go to Monday Night Raw. We're going to start at the top. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is opening Monday Night Raw. As far as I'm concerned, Matt Riddle may be one of the best parts of Monday Night Raw. So we see Riddle make his ring entrance. Big ovation for Matt Riddle. Very popular is Matt Riddle. And he's out there with a microphone cutting a promo. He says he's out there with a heavy heart. So am I, Riddle. So am I. I'm always carrying around a heavy heart while I watch Monday Night Raw. He said Randy is his mentor, his dude, his bro. Fans began chanting, RK bro, RK bro. He said the last couple of years have been tough on Randy. He said even though they've been having the time of their lives, Randy's been having a really hard time. He says his back has been giving him a hard time lately. He said Randy could barely walk last Friday. He said he knew Randy wouldn't let him down because he knew how much the match meant to him and the fans. And they lost. They lost the tag team championships. He said the Usos are one hell of a team. Hats off to both Jimmy 
and Jay Uso. He said the Usos are one hell of a team. He said for them to win that way and have Roman, that backstabbing piece of trash, interfere was wrong. He assured the fans he will get vengeance on the bloodline. He says he, know, he knows Randy has done a lot for him, more than he's done for everybody else. He says he loves him, and he knows he's watching from home, and he's going to get vengeance for himself, for Randy, against Roman and the Usos, the bloodline, as long as it takes him to do so. I thought this was a very good promo from Matt Riddle, a little bit more of a serious tone from Matt Riddle, and it looks like the reports from Dave Meltzer are absolutely correct as far as Roman's next three opponents on pay-per-view. Matt Riddle, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre going into Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and Clash at the Castle in Cardiff, Wales at Principality Stadium. So I like Matt Riddle in this role. I love the fact that we now have unified tag team champions. What WWE does with those tag team championships, probably nothing. There's no reason to get excited about WWE having one sole tag team champion on television. They're not doing shit with those tag team championships. You would think that more teams would get involved and you'd see new teams get thrusted into the main event picture and new teams on the horizon. Of course not. WWE is too fucking stupid to come up with anything uh, besides the Usos and the Street Profits or the Usos and RK-Bro or, or whatever the case may be for the tag team division. I think Riddle and Reigns is going to be a great match. This is obviously the start of Matt Riddle's babyface singles run. This is going to be good. It's going to be a test, but it's going to be good. Riddle is too good to let this one go by. Riddle is too good to let this one fail. He's going to go in there against Reigns just like everybody else. He's going to have a great match. He's going to be on the brink of beating Reigns, and he's obviously going to fall and lose, and it's going to be a test, and he's going to pass this test with flying colors. This is going to be Riddle's coming out party to be a solo act on Monday Night Raw. This is going to be Riddle, main event Riddle. That's it. And I'm very excited to see where this takes him because he's too good to just be floating around in the mid-card doing tag team shit for the rest of his WWE run. This is where we need him, and this is where I expected him to be after this team with Randy Orton uh, was going to go bye-bye. Then we have Randy Orton. Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. I think that's going to be a great match. Should be a great story. I think everybody kind of loves Randy Orton at a point right now where it's very weird to see so much love for Randy Orton, man. I don't think I really have seen this type of babyface reaction for Randy Orton ever. So for him to get in there against Roman Reigns, it should be a hell of a match. And then we can start talking about Riddle and Orton kind of splitting away. And Riddle has been planting seeds about him being his bro and they're best friends, and he's his dude, and all this other shit. So when the split inevitably happens, and Randy Orton goes back to being the Viper, and a fucking prick, and a heel, uh, it's going to be great. Because everybody loves Riddle, and when you got such a huge baby face, and a great baby face in Matt Riddle, and then you're going to apply that to a heel turn for Randy Orton, it's going to go off, and it's really going to be sympathetic, and I think that's going to be great. Then you got Drew McIntyre. Then you got Drew McIntyre in the United Kingdom. Uh, I don't know what the reception for Drew McIntyre is going to be over there. I read a report earlier today that when WWE toured Europe earlier this year, right after WrestleMania, 
Uh, Roman Reigns was getting babyface reactions in that part of the world. And Drew McIntyre was getting booed out of the buildings that they did that main event match in overseas for the WWE Europe Tour. So I don't know if that's going to be the case in Cardiff, Wales, but that's where I would obviously have Roman Reigns. I'd have him go through Riddle. I'd have him go through Orton. I would not have him go through Drew McIntyre. I would have McIntyre win the title in the United Kingdom, and Roman Reigns would then hold the WWE Championship, take that to Monday Night Raw, and then we can start setting up the feud and the match with Cody and getting that title off of Roman and putting it on Cody. And then that would be WWE's way because a unification match was never going to be in the cards. It was never going to stay in the cards. That would be WWE's way of getting both championships back on their respective brands and back to having two world championships. Probably going to end up that way with the tag team championships because if WWE is going to plan on doing that with the world titles, absolutely going to plan that as well for the tag team championships. So these unification matches... They're only temporary. They're not going to be a permanent thing on television, which sucks. But that's what WWE typically does. They always let you down in the end with a shit creative decision. But I like this, and I think Matt Riddle is going to kill it against Roman Reigns, and that's obviously what they've teased here on Monday night. So we got a match with Matt Riddle and the Street Profits versus the Usos and Sami Zayn. This was the open of Monday Night Raw. Sami Zayn and the Usos. Obviously, the Usos are holding the Raw Tag Team Championships now, so they belong on Monday Night Raw, being that they're holding the Bryan's Tag Team Championships. And then we got Sami Zayn, who is trying to fit in with the bloodline, who's a SmackDown superstar, and no reason was given as to why he was there. All they mentioned was that he was the bloodline's uh, confidant or something along those lines, which... We know he's not. There just isn't anything creatively for Sami Zayn to do. And WWE thinks that this is the best role for Sami Zayn at this moment. So obviously this match took up most of the first hour. The Riddle and this match, the Riddle promo on this match took up most of the first hour. Riddle was being beaten down. He obviously was selling a hip injury from SmackDown on Friday. So that obviously carried over into this match, into this six-man tag. And we have Sami Zayn, who had Montez Ford in a headlock at one point. Uh, he was in control over the babyfaces. Ford tried to reach for a tag, but Sami stopped him. Jay yanked Riddle by his foot to ringside and then dropped him ribs first on the ringside barricade once again, going after that injury that they documented on Friday Night SmackDown. So we go on. And Ford eventually got the hot tag. He tagged in Riddle for the hot tag, who came back against Jimmy Uso. Big ripcord knee. He then did an exploded suplex or a series of exploded suplexes to Jimmy and Sami Zayn. He then landed senton splashes on both. And then Dawkins entered. He tried to help Riddle. Ford then landed a flip dive onto the Usos at ringside. Riddle then gave Sami a draping DDT, a la Randy Orton. Sammy then kind of struggled to break free from the grip of Matt Riddle the entire time. Riddle held on to it, nailed it anyway. Riddle slapped the mat. He was going for an RKO, but the Usos distracted him by standing on the apron. The Usos turned and walked up the ramp, leaving Sammy Zayn behind. Sammy realized he was alone. Riddle caught him with an RKO, and that was it. Riddle and the Prophets win this six-man tag after the Usos walk out 
on Sami Zayn, who desperately wants to be in the bloodline. Fun match for what it was. I just don't really care to see Matt Riddle and the Street Profits or the Street Profits and the Usos. But you can see where WWE is going with all of this. I don't know what we're going to do with Randy Orton and Matt Riddle going into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I would assume that we get another rematch for the Tag Team Championships. But that is not really, uh, that's not really confirmed or announced. I, I figured we would get some sort of Hell in a Cell match between the Usos and RK-Bro because of Roman Reigns' interference on Friday night. Maybe WWE announces that on Friday. That remains to be seen. So we'll see what happens. But WWE, they have no other tag teams. Alpha Academy seems to be a joke right now. They're doing their Ezekiel Kevin Owens bullshit. And then Los Lotharios is the only other tag team on the main roster. They ain't doing shit. WWE moved the Viking Raiders down to NXT. They're about to get fucking budget cut when the next round of budget cut happens. There really isn't any tag teams. So what WWE is doing here is they're going to announce uh, another tag team match for Hell in a Cell, I assume, between the Usos and RK-Bro. And then WWE's only other tag team on the main roster is the Street Profits. So WWE will probably give us the Usos versus the Street Profits going into the major stadium shows while Riddle and Orton, they do their singles thing against Roman Reigns for the Unified Championship. That's where we're going. I know it doesn't sound exciting at all, but that's where WWE is going with all their bullshit, and it doesn't sound anywhere close to being exciting whatsoever. Lashley. Lashley right now is embroiled in one of the worst feuds in all of pro wrestling. I don't really understand how anybody finds any of this to be fucking exciting whatsoever. Bobby Lashley and Omos should have ended after the steel cage match last week. Should have ended after the WrestleMania Backlash match. I don't know why we're still continuing this going into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So Lashley is in the middle of the ring. He's getting ready to cut a promo. And Lashley said that after the match last week, after the Steel Cage match, he still has unfinished business. Typical WWE. Puts two guys in a Steel Cage match which typically is a match that blows off a feud, and then they want to come back the next week and still say that both of these guys have unfinished business. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. I am finished completely with their business. That's my feeling towards this shit. I don't care, and I'm sure you guys don't give a shit either about Bobby Lashley and Omos. So he's in the ring saying that he and Omos have unfinished business. Says he wasn't surprised to hear that they'd be fighting again at Hell in a Cell. And he said he wanted Omos and MVP to walk out to hear what his challenge is going to be next. So obviously MVP comes out and he's with Omos. MVP said Lashley barely survived the last time that they wrestled. And Lashley told him to hush, hush, he says. So Lashley said he has Omos at Hell in a Cell. I put my head down in disgust, and I ask myself, why, God? Why are you gracing us with Omos and Bobby Lashley again? Why do you hate us so much that you have to give us these two terrible fucking athletes in this feud that went absolutely nowhere and has garnered zero interest from wrestling fans all over the globe? Why? Why? I don't know. Hell in a Cell, Bobby Lashley and Omos again, man. I can't wait. 
I can't wait, man. Holy shit. This is some grade A writing, Bruce. You're a fucking genius, man. How do you do it? How do you do it every week, man? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So they got unfinished business. He said his challenge is that they wrestle again tonight. Once again, I'm looking up at God, asking him why. Why do we need to see Bobby Lashley and Omos again and then again at the pay-per-view? I'm having fucking cold sweats at this point. So he says, tonight they wrestle again, and the winner gets to pick the stipulation at Hell in a Cell. I mean, what else could it be? You put them in a steel cage match. What other stipulation could there be that's bigger than a steel cage match? Please don't tell me you are thinking about putting them inside Hell in a Cell. Please, for the love of God, for the love of God, please don't tell me you're thinking about putting them inside Hell in a Cell. You really want to kill the concept dead, don't you, Bruce? Don't you, man, right? Oh, my goodness. I could not even imagine the waste of time that that match would be and the waste of the stipulation. So he says he wants to be responsible for his downfall, so he'll win and then pick a stipulation that will be his downfall. Lashley asked if MVP is scared. Lashley asked MVP when his last victory was. Lashley said he will tear his ass apart tonight and put his ass in the hurt lock. And then we get MVP and Omos walking to the ring and Lashley held his ground. And I'm assuming we, at this point, are getting Bobby Lashley and MVP in a match. And if Bobby Lashley or MVP wins, they get to pick the stipulation against Omos and Lashley at the pay-per-view. So we go from teasing Bobby Lashley and Omos to actually getting Bobby Lashley and MVP. And once again, I go back to what I did in the beginning of this segment, and I'm asking God why MVP is wrestling on Monday Night Raw when you have an entire fucking roster of people on this show that haven't been used in the proper way, but you want to use MVP in a wrestling capacity on Monday night. Where was Dijak? Where was Ali? Where is Tommaso Ciampa? I don't know, but here you are, and MVP is used as a filler on a fucking show where you have talent that is not being used. Why? I fucking hate this show and the people that fucking write it every week. It is dreadful. Absolutely no vision from anybody backstage in that entire company. Zero. And you want to know why Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out due to creative differences with management. If this is the bullshit that we get, it is not difficult to see why Sasha Banks and Naomi would walk out over creative differences. Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea, teleprompter, Ripley. Out there, the Judgment Day, they make their entrance, and they all have microphones, and Judgment Day is out there about to cut a promo in front of everybody live tonight on Raw. Priest, he insisted that fans rise. Damian Priest has a very good, uh, intimidating tone to his voice, man. Seriously. Sounds, he sounds almost like, uh, like a heavy metal singer, man, when, when, when you do an intro to a song and, and they want to come in with rise, right? He, sound, he sounds pretty fucking intimidating, man. Sounds great. 
So Priest insisted fans rise and show respect. Clearly, most fans did not. Most fans don't seem to be interested in what Judgment Day is bringing to the table. I quite enjoy it. I think that they're doing a very admirable job here, and it's slowly but surely going to create some captivating television. I will tell you why in just a second. There was one name mentioned tonight, and one name that I do think is going to be at SummerSlam to give us a match that I'm very interested in seeing. So, he said Edge, Priest, he said Edge has shown them the way and set them free. If not, we'd be sheep like all of you. He said they are no longer superstars waiting backstage to be told what to do. Edge says they are now sitting under his learning tree. He brought up Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Wayne Gretzky and said if they offered, or what if they offered such an olive branch for people to join the Judgment Day? He said most fans are afraid of success. He says they go to work and accept making one-tenth of what their bosses do because they're content to eat Cheetos in their cubicle. So he's pretty much describing all the neckbeard slobs on social media in the IWC. Great job, bro. Great job. I love it. Exactly what they're doing, man. They type away, <laughs> eating their fucking Cheetos with their fucking crust fucking cheese-filled fingers on, uh, on their keyboards, typing away, right? Oh, JD's an asshole. <laughs> I don't know how he has such an audience. <laughs> you know, I hear it every day. So he says that's not them. He told everyone to accept the reality and wake up. Edge says they will see that when they look in the mirror because he heard fans chanting, you suck. And then he says when fans look in the mirror, that's exactly what they will see. Edge asked if the next member is going to be Tommaso Ciampa. What if the next member is Corey Graves or Alexa Bliss or Drew McIntyre, Liv Morgan, Finn Balor, who was conspicuous by his absence, or AJ Styles. He said Styles has it within him to captivate, or not captivate, to realize that standing by their side is better than fighting against them. He says he has to really believe that AJ knows that standing next to them is the best thing for him. He said, choose wisely. So Liv Morgan comes out and Rhea Ripley said something about Liv Morgan and she, she mentioned something. I, I don't know what the fuck she was talking about. I, I didn't even write it in my notes. That's how fucking disgusting Rhea Ripley's promo is in WWE. I, I don't want to harp on this for too long, but Rhea Ripley, man, you, you'd think that when Rhea Ripley turned heel that she'd get a little bit more freedom working alongside Edge. And I called her Rhea Teleprompter Ripley for a reason, man. Damian Priest, you know, he's not the greatest promo in the world, but he's, he's getting a little better. He's there. He, he's much better than Rhea Ripley. He's not Edge, but he, he can hold his own. He's not the most eloquent speaker. He's not going to fucking stand in front of a large audience and give a fucking uh, a, a huge speech and make it entertaining. That's not the type of guy that he is. He's a big guy. He's muscle. And that's what he's there, and that's what he's paid to be. Rhea Ripley, on the other hand, she sounds so fucking scripted, man. Every single promo that Rhea Ripley goes out there and cuts, 
She sounds like she's just barely remembering her lines and she's reading it and projecting it as if she's reading it back to herself, trying to memorize what she has to say. None of it, none of anything that Rhea Ripley ever says comes out and feels natural. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but that's the way I've always felt about Rhea Ripley, man. Her promo is awful. And I don't know if Edge is going to end up working with her or has been working with her on cutting a promo and cadence and the way you speak and the way you project. But my God, something needs to be done, man. You would think that she turned heel and things would get better. In fact, nothing's changed. It still remains the same. Then you hear Edge cut a promo and how Edge just fucking has these words flowing out of his mouth and he sounds natural. He sounds angry. It sounds like an organic angry. He's very frustrated. This intensity in his voice that's real. It sounds like a fucking promo. Rhea Ripley sounds like she is reciting a fucking line standing up on stage in front of a small audience. You know, it's ridiculous. None of it sounds good. And something needs to be done. Something ne- You cannot stand next to Edge and be in a group with Edge and have your promo be the worst part of your entire character. That, that's inexcusable to me. It's inexcusable. So no, something needs to be done there. So Liv Morgan comes out. We got a six, not a six-man tag. I think that's going to happen at the pay-per-view. We got a mixed tag team match. Now, Edge mentioned Tommaso Ciampa, Corey Graves, Alexa Bliss, Drew McIntyre, Liv Morgan, Finn Balor, AJ Styles even tweeted out a picture of fucking Paige. The anti-diva Paige. Twitch superstar Paige, right? None of these people. Being that he mentioned these names, and I know Tommaso Champ has been heavily rumored to join Judgment Day. All of these names are being mentioned for a reason. And these names are being mentioned because none of these people are going to join Judgment Day. None. Not one single person he mentioned here is joining Judgment Day with Priest, Edge, and Rhea Ripley. The one person that's going to end up joining Judgment Day is going to be somebody that will probably leave you disappointed. Many of you, many of the fans disappointed because he right now is dead to rights. He is as irrelevant as they come. He is as irrelevant as a fucking elliptical is to Bruce Pritchard. Dijak. Dominic Dijakovic, T-Bar, he's back there somewhere. He's got to get out of catering sometime, man. I'm hearing that he's sick of Titus's baked potatoes. And I heard Titus has a mean fucking baked potato, man. A little chive, a little bacon bits, uh, some sour cream, some butter, man. You fucking mix that all up and you whip up a great looking baked potato, man. He doesn't want it anymore. He wants to be out there. He's directionless. He's lifeless. He wants the vision. He wants what Edge is bringing to everybody's life, man. I think Dijak would be a great fit for the Judgment Day. He's big. He's great. He can cut a promo. And I'd like to see that man get back to somewhat of what he used to do in NXT. Otherwise, this guy's going to be fucking cut by Nick Khan whenever we get the next round of releases in WWE. So that's who I think is going to be joining Joe. It just makes sense. Either that or Ali. Ali wasn't on the show tonight, so good luck with that. I don't think WWE is going to ever give Ali a chance to be in the same group as Edge. WWE is, I guess, over 
and finding it boring to continue embarrassing Ali, he may end up getting released when the next round of budget cuts happens as well. It's not going to be Ali. Ali would make sense, but it's not going to be Ali. But those are the only two names. Obviously, the one that I think is going to be there is Dijak T-Bar. I think he's going to be there. He needs to shed that name, get rid of it, and start fresh. And what better way to do that than under the tutelage of Edge? So we get this mixed tag team match. This is Liv Morgan and AJ Styles versus Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. And Edge was on the outside uh, in, obviously, Judgment Day's corner. So Morgan took control over Rhea Ripley, wiped her out with a dive before Styles took it to Priest with a sliding knee off the apron. Morgan and Styles were getting a little bit more offense than the Judgment Day. This was before Ripley distracted Styles. Ripley and Styles were actually in the ring together, man. And, and typical WWE, there's no fun here in WWE. I would have absolutely loved, I don't know if you guys are on the same page as me, I would have loved to see... Rhea Ripley and AJ Styles kind of mix it up. I think that would be a, a nice little matchup there. I think Rhea Ripley could take it to Edge if the opportunity was given to her. So WWE in typical mixed tag team fashion here, when the ladies tag in, uh, they the men have to get out and vice versa. It sucks. Very boring. No intergender action in WWE, man. That's what separates them from everybody else. They're fucking boring. Boring. So... We go to commercial break. We're back from commercial break. Styles gave Priest a Pele kick, made a hot tag to Morgan, who obviously, you know, this leads to Rhea Ripley getting back in the ring. He uh, tagged out to Liv Morgan, and she took down Ripley with a missile drop kick and a code breaker, but Edge put Rhea Ripley's leg on the rope as Liv Morgan went for the cover. Referee did not see it. Styles attacked Edge after Priest tried to save him, Styles knocked him down too. Morgan attempted her finish. Oblivion, but Edge held Ripley's pants to help block the move. Morgan fell and Ripley cradled her for the one, two, three. Looks like we may get some sort of Texas tornado. No DQ type of ruling, maybe. If WWE wants to get a little risque at the pay-per-view, looks like we may be getting some six-person tag team action at Hell in a Cell. Either that or we put AJ Styles and Edge inside Hell in a Cell and all of the characters involved here somehow get involved with the Hell in a Cell match between those two. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of over it. I think Judgment Day is going to be a very good thing, but I don't know where this is going. I don't really have an interest in this feud anymore. You would think that with Edge and AJ Styles feuding, it would be great and exciting, but it, it doesn't feel that way. And I don't know what's missing. I don't know what's missing. I mentioned before, I mentioned before, Edge during his promo tonight, I didn't put it in my notes, but WWE quoted it on their Twitter page. Edge, I believe, tonight mentioned John Cena. And he mentioned John Cena in a way where it was done not by accident. It was done to plant seeds for what is coming up for Edge this summer, going into SummerSlam. Now, if I can find the quote on their Twitter page, I do believe he mentioned something about John Cena. Give me one second to see if WWE did, in fact, put this on their Twitter page. He mentioned John Cena because I do honestly think that this is going to be the match 
going into SummerSlam. I do think that the plan right now is for John Cena to return, and I do think that John Cena versus Edge will be the match at SummerSlam. Now, I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. If you don't think that is, yeah, this is what he says. I wasn't handpicked to sit at the top of the mountain like a John Cena. I sit at the top of the mountain because I am a miracle of my own hard work and my success followed. There's a reason why he mentioned John Cena tonight on Monday Night Raw during this promo. And the reason is because John Cena versus Edge is going to happen at SummerSlam. That's what the match is going to be for SummerSlam. And I think that's great. I think John Cena coming back is great in itself. And if you talk about all-time greatest opponents for John Cena in his career, Edge is absolutely up there. Obviously, you mentioned your Randy Orton's. Obviously, John Cena versus CM Punk. I think CM Punk is his greatest rival ever. Edge is number two, no question, on that list of greatest John Cena opponents. And if John Cena's back and in the ring with Edge at this point of his career, I think that's a great testament to really just end that epic feud this year with both of those guys in the ring in a stadium at one of the biggest shows of the year. So we'll see what happens. Now, WWE did let us down with John Cena and Roman Reigns. That match should have been bigger than it was. They dropped the ball on the build. They didn't really do anything to sell us on that match. It was Roman Reigns and John Cena in Allegiant Stadium, and that was it. WWE gave no guy in that field, neither one of those guys, any effort. The storyline was given no effort going into SummerSlam. And I hope that this is a different case, a different vision going into SummerSlam if that is the match with John Cena and Edge. I don't think Edge is going to let this one go by and have no effort put into it. If it's Edge and John Cena, I can absolutely tell you right now that Edge is going to give everything he has verbally and promo-wise to this, to this program with John Cena. I think it's going to be fantastic. So if that is the, the, the plan, it was definitely teased tonight via Edge and his promo on Monday Night Raw. Moving on with the rest of the show. We got King's Court. Jerry the King Lawler. Is on Monday Night Raw. Why? I don't know why. This is WWE basically running out of ideas for a three-hour Monday Night Raw. Jerry the King Lawler welcomed fans to the King's Court. He said his special guest has left his opponents trembling in their boots at the mere mention of his name since his debut. Veer Mahan is the guest on King's Court. Lawler said... He is a man of few words, so please prove them all wrong. So he asked some questions, and Veer just stared back at him without saying anything. Lawler asked why he was targeting the Mysterios. Veer just stood there and kind of made some weird grunting noises at him, snarled at him, per se. So Lawler said maybe it's because some of the things Ray and Dominic said about Veer. Lola said maybe it's because some of the things Dominic said. He said, Dominic said when Veer walks his dog, Veer is so hairy that people pet him. I'm not laughing. And neither is anybody in attendance here on Monday night. Dominic says he's so hairy, Bigfoot once took a picture of him. I'm not laughing. These jokes are corny and these jokes are fucking lame. Yet somehow, WWE thinks this is engaging, enthralling, exciting television. This shit sucks. 
Every bit of this shit sucks. So Veer grabbed the microphone and he was about to speak legitimately in front of a live audience. Veer was about to speak. Listen, Jerry, I'm not here to joke around, he said. He said, Ray is a legend, but he's too worried about his little boy, Dominic. He said that made him weak, so he took both of them out. So Veer then asked Lawler if he smells like fear. Lawler said, no, that's just my cheap cologne. And again, three for three, Lawler is, with the jokes that bombed. When Veer made a move towards Lawler, he was about to beat up Lawler, the Mysterio's music played, and they ran down the aisle, and, you know, Veer tried to get the best of the Mysterio's, which he did. He pressed Ray over his head and threw him into the ropes. He meant to throw Ray through the ropes, but that clearly didn't work out in this segment. Ray then uh, kicked Veer. Veer shrugged it off. Dominic dropkicked Veer off the ring apron. Ray then hit a wrecking ball dropkick on Veer, and Veer stood his ground on the ring apron, and that was pretty much it. This segment was fucking horrendous. Every bit of this was horrendous. Now, you know, WWE, I, I, I get, I get what they're trying to do with Veer. Believe me, I get what they're trying to do. But it's not working. Veer is not working in the current format that Veer is. Veer is not working. And I'll tell you why he's not working. In every opportunity that WWE has to create somebody new on the show, whether it's a babyface or it's a heel, WWE for the babyfaces, they are so fucking over the top and in stereotypical WWE way, they're fucking rolled off the manufacturing line and they're, <laughs> they're fucking smiling everywhere and they're just... So god darn fucking happy to be there. Gosh darn, I'm so happy to be on Monday Night Raw. I can't wait to perform in front of the WWE audience. I can't perform. I can't wait to perform in front of the WWE universe. I'm so happy. I'm smiling. Right? For the baby faces, they got them smiling like some fucking moron. Some cartoon character that you'd see on Nick Jr. Right? Smiling like if they're blues clues, man. Then they got the fucking, then they got the heels coming out and they got Veer Mahan talking like legitimately he's fucking uh, Bigfoot. He's out there fucking speaking in slow motion. He's talking to Jerry the King. Listen, Jerry, I'm not here to joke around. Ray Mysterio is a legend, but he's too worried about his little boy, Dominic. What the fuck do you call that? I'm not listening to Veer reenact the Dark Knight, okay? But Veer is out there like this fucking stereotypical cartoon villain, and he sounds like a fucking fool. He sounds ridiculous. Who the fuck sounds like that? Who talks like that? And then people want to know why I shit on the fucking show. People want to know why I'm so negative and why I complain, right? I mean, who the fuck is going to listen to that and find enjoyment in Veer Mahan? 
Listen, Jerry, I'm not here to choke around. Well, he's spitting all over the place. You know, if they gave Veer some actual dialogue and they had him go out there and speak like a normal human fucking being, Veer wouldn't sound all that fucking bad. But they got him out there fucking uh, pretending like he's fucking Christian Bale. Why? What is with Bruce Pritchard, man? You got Veer acting like fucking Batman in the suit. Becky Lynch is dressing like a fucking pirate. Baron Corbin stealing swords and fucking Andre the Giant statues. Raquel Gonzalez is a fucking smiling emoji on your fucking Android or iPhone device. Holy shit. The fuck is wrong with you people? Yet I'm the one who's negative. This shit sucks. This shit sucks. I don't know how anybody can defend this garbage, man. I really can't. I don't know. I don't know. I want to like Veer. I want to like Veer. I do. But my God, man, you have him go out there and that's what you have him do and that's what you have him say. If he sounded somewhat normal, I think people would appreciate it a little bit more. No, but they got him out there fucking acting like uh, he's about to save Gotham City. Jesus Christ, this shit sucks. God, this show sucks. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, am I losing my fucking mind here? <laughs> One week Becky Lynch is a pirate, the next week she's fucking my little habits is God this show sucks. Anyway guys, I appreciate you joining me, man. We got a lot still to go over, man. We still got a whole third hour to go, man. Oh my goodness, man. We got hour three of Monday Night Raw to get into. Can't do that before I shout out my sponsor, man, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save 20% off and get some free shipping, man. We got a new Manscaped product alert, ladies and gentlemen. You asked for it, and they listened. Our friends over at Manscaped just brought back the Ultra Smooth Package. It's time to stop, drop, and order this premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shave for your little champions down below. But if you're looking for a closer shave all the way down there, then the Ultra Smooth Package is the perfect set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you, man. 20% off. Free shipping at manscaped.com. You guys are going to use code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save on that. The Ultra Smooth Package is specialized in groin shaving to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking about the Crop Shaver Razor, the Crop Exfoliator, and the Crop Gel. Now, first, you got to get your uh, your lawnmower 4.0. Give your boys that classic trim. For your liking to get all the loose hairs out of the way and then take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package to get even closer of a shave. Crop exfoliator, crop gel, and then it's time to shave, man. That's steps one, two, and three. The crop shaver is not your average razor, though. It's smaller, thicker, with a micro comb bar 
that allows for the best possible shave from any angle. Beach balls are meant to be smooth, and now yours can be. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included, so you know your manhood is in good hands and without compromise. It's time to get up close and personal with the best tools for the job, and that is the Ultra Smooth Package from Manscaped. 20% off, like I said, guys. Free shipping with code SCRIPT20 at manscaped.com. Enter that code in at checkout. Smooth out your fellas with the relaunched Ultra Smooth Package from the fellas over at Manscaped. Your balls will thank you, man. I appreciate Manscaped for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss was backstage. She was interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. Schreiber asked Alexa Bliss backstage what it's like to be back on Raw. Bliss smiled and says she's just trying to stay out of trouble. Bliss said Sony Deville has had a rough couple of weeks. She said she lost and then got fined, so maybe she should look into therapy because it does wonders. Maybe Bruce Pritchard should take Alexa Bliss's advice as well. She said she and Nikki Ash used to be best friends, but then they parted ways. She said Nikki dresses like a superhero and she is best friends with a doll. She said it sounds weird when she says it out loud, but it really is great being back and she headed to the ring. So Nikki, Nikki Ash, Nikki Trash, whatever the fuck you want to call her, and Dodrop made their entrance. And the announcers once again talked about Sasha Banks and Naomi relinquishing the tag team championships. And Graves, Graves told once again by Vince McMahon in the headset. This is not Corey Graves speaking on his own accord. This is being fed directly into Corey Graves' headset. They disappointed the WWE universe in the process while they relinquished their tag team titles last week. Once again. Man, oh man, WWE is still harping on the fact that they disappointed the WWE universe. Like, you don't fucking disappoint me every fucking Monday and legions of fans around the world with your boring vision of what pro wrestling should be on Monday night. Never mind Sasha Banks and Naomi disappointing us. Bruce Prichard and Creative disappoint us every fucking week on both Monday and Friday. Nikki Ash versus Doe Drop. This went three minutes. I am struggling to bring myself to even fucking care enough to read what the fuck happened in this match. Nobody gives a shit. Bliss wins with Twisted Bliss, and that's it. Fuck you want me to do? Sit here and go over an Alexa Bliss match as as if it's a fucking four-and-a-half-star classic? Jesus fucking Christ. This wouldn't even get a strand of Lily the Doll's hair as far as a rating is concerned. Awful. Alexa Bliss has come back just as lazy as she was fucking years ago. Nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is her outfit and her theme music. Otherwise, this is the same boring, lifeless, terrible Alexa Bliss. Pardon me. Kevin Patrick. He interviewed Seth Rollins backstage about Cody Rhodes. And asked why things have reached such a boiling point with Cody. That it's led to Cody challenging him to a match inside the Hell in a Cell. Seth says they used to sing his song every night. In every city, and now all he is is Cody. Cody, Cody, Cody chance. He says it makes him physically ill. So does this show. So does this show, and Friday. Friday more so than Monday. But both of these shows make me physically ill. He said there's even a countdown clock for Cody. Where does it stop, he says. He asks why he doesn't have a countdown clock for himself. 
He said there's a clock in his head counting down second after second. He said after the clock strikes zero, what happens? He then cackled. <laughs> like I usually cackle when WWE fucks up something creative. Cody made his ring entrance. He was all happy to be there. Handed his belt to a kid in the front row. And we get Cody versus The Miz on Monday Night Raw. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Rhodes walked down the aisle at 9.54. The match didn't start until after 10 o'clock at 10.03, to be exact. So Rhodes was in control. I'm so excited to see another Cody versus Miz match. This is exactly what I wanted for Cody Rhodes coming back to the WWE. Rhodes was in control until Miz crotched him. On the top rope, booted him to the outside. We got a commercial break. Miz was in control, but he runs to the outside, and Rhodes was able to dodge a corner clothesline. Rhodes followed with a power slam, followed with a Cody Cutter, a figure four. Miz eventually got a rope break to break up the figure four leg lock. Rhodes then went for the top. I, I think he was going for his patented moonsault, but Rollins ran down shoved him off the top rope and caused a disqualification. Of course, of course, WWE can't go a fucking week without a goddamn disqualification, man. This is WWE pretty much telling you, well, we don't know what else to do for Cody and Seth Rollins. Let's put Cody out there because we got to put him on the show because he's easily the biggest star of the entire fucking roster on Monday night. We got to put him out there. Let's put him in the match with The Miz. And then we'll have Rollins come down and get a disqualification. And then this will get us another week into the go-home show. And then we'll just have these two uh, just get by with minimal effort going into Hell in a Cell. This is basically WWE saying, hey, I don't have any creative ideas. I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm absolutely out of ideas. This is the best I got. Miz and Cody, DQ by Seth Rollins. This gets us into next week. All right, let's go out for a pint. It's what WWE's vision of their creative is. As little effort as possible, man. Awful. Awful. Rollins and Miz double-teamed Rhodes after the match. Rollins drove Rhodes into the steel steps. As he was leaving was Rollins. He yanked the weight belt from the kid in the front row. This was the best thing about the entire segment. He yanked the belt that Cody gave the kid away from the kid and went over to Cody and fucking whipped him in the back with it viciously, which was awesome. Made a great sound, and Cody was laying over the announce desk, and Rollins just took the whip and fucking beat him with the whip, man. So that was it, and that's the way the segment went off the air. Cody got back to his feet. Fans were chanting, Cody, Cody. He grabbed the belt, limped over to the fan, and gave it back to him before leaving with the referee's assistance. Makes me wonder if that was a legit fan or if that was a planted fan in the front row. I'm going to go with uh, option B. Option B, planted fan in the front row. Waste of time. Waste of time only to get a DQ here on Monday night. Ezekiel. Ezekiel defeated Chad Gable with Otis and Kevin Owens. This went about four minutes. Chad Gable and Ezekiel didn't even get a fucking ring entrance. How important can this shit be to Monday night creative? Owens was sitting at ringside. Uh, near the commentary table, he wasn't actually on commentary. Uh, Otis stripped Ezekiel, which allowed Gable to attack and target his leg. Ezekiel got to his feet uh, on a moonsault attempt and followed with a stinger splash. Otis decked Ezekiel as Gable distracted the referee, but the ref still figured out what happened, so he tossed Otis from ringside. Uh, we just had a DQ happen in the last match, and we were on the verge of another DQ here, so the referee tossed Otis out, and then Kevin Owens 
was able to get into the ring and attack Ezekiel. He got tossed from the match. Ezekiel then rolled up Gable after all this nonsense for the one, two, three. After the match, Kevin Owens got on the microphone and challenged Ezekiel to a match at Hell in a Cell. So we got a Ezekiel versus KO match at the pay-per-view. Ezekiel nodded, yes, yes, yes. And I can't bring myself to care. You know, this shit was funny for two weeks. And then this shit died a painful, unfunny death. What is the end goal here? Does WWE even have an end goal for Ezekiel and Kevin Owens? I'm going to say the answer to that question is no. I don't think they have a fucking end goal at all. WWE never has an end goal for anything unless it's Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. This shit sucks. Kevin Owens is way too good for this shit. This is this shit from the word go never had a proper conclusion because Elias is Ezekiel and Ezekiel is Elias. You can't have both of them on TV at the same time. This shit sucks. And what is a win for Ezekiel going to do over Kevin Owens? And what is a win over Ezekiel going to do for Kevin Owens? Nothing. 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 I, I don't get it. Just get her off my TV. It's fucking garbage. What a nonsensical fucking storyline that doesn't have an ending. Who cares? Kevin Patrick approached Cody, asked him for an update on his health following the beatdown from Seth Rollins. Cody says his knee is a little banged up, but he can put weight on it. He says he's still breathing, and that's bad news for Seth. He says he's getting a second chance, and he's uncrowned. He said Seth has potential to go 0-3 against him, and Seth knows that. He said if he wants to really finish the job, he'll be waiting at Hell in a Cell. Basic promo here, nothing more, nothing less for Cody Rhodes. Bobby Lashley versus MVP. This went about four minutes. Typical WWE here. MVP wins via countout. None of it really mattered. I don't really give a shit about anything that took place in this match. I mean, I don't give a shit about the feud. This is one of the worst feuds in WWE all year. A complete waste. Is Bobby Lashley better off because he feuded with Omos? Is Omos better off because he feuded with Bobby Lashley? Nobody, nobody has been enhanced in this feud. So why are we wasting our time? Why are you wasting my time? Why are you wasting our time here? I don't get it. None of this has made either one of these guys better. So we got this match. MVP stalled before faking an injury. Typical. This distracted the referee, which allowed Omos to take advantage of Bobby Lashley with a clothesline. This was very fucking stupid. MVP followed with a running boot, but Lashley came back with a flatliner before driving MVP into the ring post. Omos was about to attack Lashley outside the ring, but Lashley fought him off. The referee called for the bell. Uh, I, I don't know if this was a DQ or a countout. It, it was actually a countout. It was actually a countout. You'd think the ref would give Lashley a break considering he was being attacked by somebody who was not in the fucking match. But this is WWE. So Lashley was disappointed that he got counted out and he put MVP in the hurt lock. Anyway, MVP and Omos get to pick the stipulation for hell in a cell in a week and a half. Wow, man, I can't wait. Wow, this is such fascinating television, man. WWE, man, great. You're, you're, you're fucking doing wonders, man. You're doing God's work out there, man. I can't wait. This shit sucks. Fucking ridiculous. Lacey Evans returns to action next week. I will make sure that I have a pillow 
uh, nearby, just in case. But I will be getting up once that theme music hits, and I will be going into the kitchen, and I will be making myself a shot of espresso and a cappuccino, just in case uh, I fall drowsy during the Lacey Evans segment. In fact, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait. I'm I'm intentionally, I'm intentionally not going to clean my cat's shitbox, and I'm going to leave it looking really nasty for about three days, man. That'll give me at least a good five minutes to clean my cat's litter box while Lacey Evans is on TV. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Uh, Jesse, listen, man, I need you to go on Amazon for me, bro. I need an industrial cat scoop for cat litter, man. Can you do that for me? Yes? All right, good job, bro. I'll tell Thunder Rosa to spare you at least 30 seconds in the beatdown that you got coming to you when I get to Chicago, all right? Good job, bro, good job. Anyway, we got... Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. She enters at 10.39. This is the thing now on Monday night. 10.39, she enters and we go to commercial break. Asuka enters at 10.44. Becky Lynch enters around that same time. We get the match beginning at 10.47. We go to commercial break at 10.49. And the match resumes at 10.52. If you guys want me to go over that once again, uh, listen. Asuka, 10.44. Becky Lynch, 10.44. Match begins at 10.47. Commercial break at 10.49. Match comes back and resumes at 10.52. How am I supposed to care about most of this match when the fucking start of the segment uh, started at 10.39? I don't get it. This did not matter at all. I, I, I don't care about anything these women are doing. In fact... The Monday Night Raw women's division is fucking horrendous. Even with Bianca Belair as its champion, it is fucking horrendous. It is awful. Becky Lynch is fucking terrible. She looks terrible. She sounds terrible. She wore a fucking fluffy pirate shirt trying to be Captain Jack Sparrow tonight. Or, or a fucking terrible cosplay of Jerry Seinfeld during the uh, fluffy shirt episode. I don't know what the fuck she was wearing tonight. I I really don't get it. People think she looks cool. People think she's a trendsetter. She's a cringe setter. I apparently am public enemy number one uh, against all the Becky Lynch stan accounts on social media, man. Good. Good. You and your tears have enough potency and enough all year to fill all of the liquid death orders that I have coming to me all year. Good. I'm glad I ruffled your feathers and I'm glad I made such an impact on your day. I really, I really love it, man. You guys are fucking great. You guys think I'm losing sleep over the fact that you fucking hate me because your big time cringe is a failure. This woman has made every aspect of WWE television worse than ever and the women's division is suffering because of her fucking greed and selfishness. Becky Lynch is awful. This match meant nothing. Everybody was like last week, oh, well, well, she put over Oscar. She put over Oscar, man. Yeah, she put over Oscar last week. Fast forward seven days to this week, and Oscar is losing. Becky Lynch beats Oscar in the main event. Now it's a triple threat match. Now we got Becky Lynch versus Oscar versus Bianca Belair in a triple threat match for the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. Oh, but I thought Becky was doing good by helping Oscar get the main event match. Now we got Becky Lynch in the main event match. 
So why does Becky Lynch need to be added to this match when it was just fine as Bianca Belair and Asuka one-on-one? Why does Becky Lynch need to be there? You can't wait to give Becky Lynch a fucking match at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? Why do we need her here at Hell in a Cell? She put over Asuka only to take away Asuka's match the following week. And what do you think is going to happen at the pay-per-view? Who do you think is going to take the big resounding L at the pay-per-view? It's going to be Becky Lynch? It's going to be Asuka? Who's going to be Bella? Who's it going to be? It's going to be Asuka. Because you know for a fact that WWE is going to do Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair at the stadium shows. <laughs> you know that's coming. And one of these, one of these, one of these shows, Bianca Belair is dropping that championship, man. They're going to go right back to square one. Can't wait. Becky Lynch is greed, selfish, and she's awful. Triple threat match, Raw Women's Championship. Ask me if I care tomorrow. It will be the same answer tomorrow. It will be the same answer Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Back to Monday until Becky Lynch is taken off television because her entire shtick is fucking garbage. She's the worst female in the entire women's division. Guys, I'm about done here, man. I'm sweating my balls off in here, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Even with the goddamn air conditioner on, man. I am sweating my fucking balls off. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight on Monday Night Raw and the post show. We're off the script. We hit a thousand likes. Thank you guys very much, man. We hit a thousand likes. Awesome. Awesome. Get those super chats in. We're going to hang out in just a second. Make sure you guys hit that join button, become some VIPs. Get those memberships in and become a VIP right here on Off the Scripts. Tonight's sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout to save 20% off and get that free shipping, man. Also, go check out Off the Script episode 431 last night. Tons of content, man. We were here for three hours. Awesome live stream. Nearly 3,000 in the venue last night. You guys are awesome. Thank you so very much. And make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, man. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for notifications and make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Also, can't forget, go get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire is the place. I want to see a bunch of you guys out there representing with this fantastic design, man. The dawn of the IWC. I look like a fucking boss in that picture, man. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of this design and many other designs. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of Off the Scripts. Let's start at the top, man. We got Ryan Heisler with a 199 Super Chat. Looks like Bruce was watching Seinfeld yesterday. I don't think Bruce is that funny of a guy to find Seinfeld entertaining at all. Nate with a 199 Super Chat. Becky got ready for the first Thanksgiving in 1620. Either that or her fucking neighbor is uh, a huge George Washington and Thomas Jefferson fanatic. One or the other. Ryan Heisler with another Super Chat. $10 Super Chat. Was in Kentucky over the weekend. Went to Nick and Norman's restaurant. Co-owner is Norman Reedus. And the owner directed The Walking Dead and built The Jaws Shark. I was geeking out. 
I bought some cookie dough whiskey. Ryan, where can I get this cookie dough whiskey? Because I see a lot of people telling me that they're drinking cookie dough whiskey, man. Where can I get this cookie dough fucking whiskey at? And Jesse, why aren't you on this cookie dough whiskey, bro? What the fuck you do? What do I got you here? What the fuck you doing back there, man? I may be taking a trip to Tennessee, man. I may be there for SummerSlam weekend, depending on uh, if plans fall into place for StarCast. I got invited possibly to be a part of StarCast. So we'll see what happens over there. Uh, Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. Good meat, he says. Good meat. Uh, what meat was on uh, Monday Night Raw tonight, uh, Tony Brown? We got uh, Liv Morgan. That's about it. That's about it, man. Liv Morgan was the only, and Bianca Belair. I mean, she, she's suitable. But Liv Morgan, man. Some prime meat right there for you, Tony Brown. Love you, brother. Hologram, it's called Dough Ball. Cookie dough whiskey. Normally when they say it tastes like cookie dough, it tastes nothing like cookie dough. Does it taste like cookie dough is what I want to know. Because I love me some cookie dough, man. Um, who else we got here, man? Uh, Tony Brown, thank you so much, brother. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Maybe we get profits, Usos at the pay-per-view. Not too soon for that. Uh, Riddle costs the Usos one set of the belts in return. Roman takes out Riddle at Money in the Bank. No doubt Cody wins at Hell in a Cell. Yes, Cody is winning at Hell in a Cell. Cody should not lose at all on his way to Roman Reigns. No question. Uh, Hoyt Reynalda with a 199 Super Chat. JD, what would I need to start my own podcast? A microphone, a camera, and the skill set to work OBS. That's all you need. That's all you need, Hoyt. Uh, also, you know, it is very difficult to start YouTube in 2022, man. YouTube is not, is not very pleasant to new creators. It is very difficult to grow out here, man. I do what I do and I barely get by myself. Also, you need a personality. If you don't got a personality, you ain't going anywhere. You need to be entertaining. If you're not entertaining, you end up like Sean's view. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that at all, man. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Is it double or nothing yet? Yes, Sunday. Sunday. I'll be by the pool on Saturday. Live stream early in the afternoon on Sunday. What I'll be drinking by the pool on Saturday, I don't really know yet, man. I may have a summery beverage. One that I could have multiple of, or I may just make myself an old-fashioned and do the un... I don't want to say unrealistic, but the peculiar thing of sitting by the pool drinking a fucking shot of whiskey or a glass of whiskey. I don't give a shit. I follow my own fucking rules, man. I'll drink whatever the fuck I want as long as it's cold. As long as it's ice cold. So it depends on what I drink, man. Uh, Sunday, live stream, and then double or nothing on Sunday night with another live stream. So two live streams on Sunday and the Memorial Day. We got a Memorial Day episode of Raw, which usually they don't really do anything for. And it may be just a waste of fucking time. So we'll see what happens. Um, Jay Patterson with a $5 super chat. Randy should be fighting Roman first. Then Riddell. He should get jealous of Riddell up onto the match and turn on him at the Riddell versus Reigns match. The fact that you spelled Riddle, Riddell, three different times, I'm assuming you did that on purpose.
John A. with a 199 Super Chat. Name some wrestlers most people love that you hate. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. That's pretty much it. I don't really hate anybody, man. How many times I gotta get, how many times I gotta say, man, I, I can't repeat myself anymore. It's the creative. I'm sure Rebecca is a swell human being, man. Love to have a fucking shot of Irish whiskey with Rebecca, but the gimmick sucks. The gimmick sucks. Uh, Riddick's Classic Arcade becomes a member for 20 months. Thank you, Riddick. I know I don't comment much, but I'm always here listening. I appreciate the hard work you put in, brother. Always a great listen. Thank you, Riddick. I appreciate it, man. 20 months, man. Four months away from that gold microphone, man. That's when the real party begins. John A. with a 499 Super Chat. Do you think the wrestlers from the Attitude Era in their prime would get used the right way with the current writing team on Raw and SmackDown? Absolutely not. You kidding me? They won't get used, and if they do get used, they'll only get canceled by the fucking social media cretins online. JP5150 with a 21-month membership. Oh, my goodness. Some Casa Dragones for both Sasha and Naomi JD. This company is absolutely ridiculous how they do business. The true definition of corruption is the E. You know it, brother. I always got Casa Dragones for you in the venue, man. Always. Brandon James Shea with a $5 Super Chat. The Mets are the best team in the East. Yes, I know. The Braves are terrible. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with them this year, man. Don't even give a shit. MGM Ballin' with a 499 Super Chat. I really wish the commentators would stay silent during Judgment Day's entrance. Yes, me too, because the sweet sounds of Miles are some of the best things about Monday Night Raw. I don't know why anybody is speaking over Miles Kennedy singing Edge's theme music, man. That is a crime in itself, but WWE really isn't that uh, bright anyway. Justin Strippen with a 999 Super Chat, although the match doesn't warrant it. I just have a gut feeling that the Triple Threat Raw Women's Championship match will be inside Hell in a Cell. I do hope I'm wrong about that. Yes, me too. I hope you're wrong about that too. No way does that match or feud warrant a Hell in a Cell. Oh, you're busy grinding for the Destiny reset, Jesse. All right. Well, listen, man. You know, put your fucking PlayStation down and start serving fucking last call here, man. What the fuck are you doing? Scott. Kai T with a 499 Super Chat. Started off my 23rd birthday watching Raw, and now I'm sad. On the bright side, I'm celebrating in Atlantic City. Kai T, I'll be in Atlantic City in about uh, two weeks. I'm going to the Atlantic City Beer Fest at Bader Field. Can't wait, man. One of my favorite times of the year, man. 10,000 people plus descend upon Atlantic City in the Beer Fest, and we all drink in celebration of cold beverages. I love it. Kai T, thank you so much. And please, don't ever watch Monday Night Raw on your birthday, ever. Please. Captain Solo with a final super chat. What is your honest opinion of Aubrey Edwards as a referee? Do you think she's over the top? And T-Bag definitely needs to join Judgment Day. What do I think of Aubrey Edwards? Honestly, Captain Solo, I don't even notice Aubrey Edwards because why are you paying attention to the referee? 
All of Aubrey's actions, I barely even notice. Because every time she's in a match, the matches that she does are the bigger matches on the show. Why do I care what Aubrey does when I'm watching what the wrestlers are doing in the ring? And plus, I take notes during the fucking show, so why am I looking at Aubrey Edwards and why do I give a shit about what Aubrey Edwards is doing? Who gives a shit? At least we know the AEW referees' names. The only referee name we know on WWE television is Charles Robinson. Because he's been there forever. WWE referees have no names, they got no personality, they got no identity. They're just fucking there. I like that all the AEW referees have some sort of personality. Rick Knox is the fucking dumbass referee. He just lets shit fly. I never knew who the legal man is in a Rick Knox match. Right? And um, Bryce Remsburg, he's, he's entertaining himself. And then we got Aubrey. Who gives a shit? I like all of the AEW referees. I like that they're all individual. And they all got their own shit going on. I like that. Mike Lee with a $20 super chat. Hey, JD, call me a fool. I was for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles back in 2019. I was under the impression that WWE were going to bring in women to strictly work in the Women's Tag Team division. How naive and stupid I was for thinking this. That's what a lot of people said about Sasha Banks, man. She was fighting a battle that she was never going to win because these people don't give a shit. Sasha cares so much, and when they find out you care so much, they'll do everything to fucking ruin what you care about. Thank you, Mike Lee, for the $20 super chat. Don't worry, man. Tag team division, now you know the truth behind the tag team division, man. It is absolutely fucking worthless. Nobody gives a shit. Shakoi with a $2 super chat. Tonight's Raw proves... Sasha Banks and Naomi's point on creative. Well, I don't need them to walk out to know what creative is, man. I don't need Sasha Banks and Naomi to prove anything to me about creative. I see it every week with my own two fucking eyes. Israel with a $10 super chat. I'm sure entertained by you, JD. I didn't... I see I didn't miss anything like usual. I'm glad... I watched the whole Mets game out there on the West Coast tonight, and they win. Alonzo is a home run beast again. Yeah, you didn't miss nothing on Raw, bro. You didn't miss nothing at all. Yo Savvy with a $5 super chat. It's my birthday today, and thank you for another goaded stream that has made my night. Especially with your epic Veer Batman impersonation, the dawn of the IWC. Everybody throw up those... Those whiskey glass emojis for Yo Savvy. Happy birthday, brother. 199 Super Chat from R.A. He simply says, Popeye's chicken. Bro, I don't eat fast food. The last time I ate fast food, I was in Florida at a Wendy's. And I don't want to tell you what happened the next day. Never again. Fast food is fucking cancer, bro. Don't eat fast food. Popeye's is not real chicken. Justin Striplin with a 499 Super Chat. A report came out earlier today that The Rock cleared his schedule from January 23 
through March 23. Because we're getting Rock versus Roman, that's why. Plus, he's running the XFL. Brandon James Shea with a Tudal Super Chat. Santana is the new LAWE champion. I don't know who the I don't know who the fuck LAWE is. And why do I care? I love Santana. Or why do I care? Scorpio, 1117 with the $2 super chat. If Sasha goes to AEW, who is her first feud? Jade Cargill. Steven Escalante Gonzalez with the 199 super chat. Glad I didn't watch Raw because it was awful. It's awful every week, man. Chelsea with a $5 super chat. Thoughts on orange creamsicle whiskey on ice. King JD. Cookie dough one is $28.99. OTS for life. Red or white wine, though. Uh, I don't even, listen, I don't know where these fucking flavorful whiskeys are coming from. Orange creamsicle whiskey and cookie dough whiskey. I got to check into this. And red or white wine. Chelsea, I'm a white wine guy. Sauvignon Blanc for me, please. That is my type of wine. Gary the New Man with a six-month membership. Thank you, Gary. He simply says LTB. Long-term booking. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Jesse, listen, I'm getting out of here, man. Uh, I'm going to need you to uh, clean the bathroom, bro. There was an accident there. I don't know what happened, man. Somebody got a little excited in the venue. Uh, So you got to clean the bathroom. What? We're talking about grinding on Destiny, man. What the fuck? Who gives a shit about Destiny now? It's tomorrow. You're a fucking fake guardian, man. You should have been prepped already. This guy. Let's clean the fucking bathroom, man. Seriously. I bought all new fucking utensils and I got the bleach in the closet, man. Go, go check it out. I got a brand new unopened bleach in there, man. But save me some because I'm going to need some for Friday. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you guys for joining me on your Monday nights, man. Thank you guys for joining me on your Monday nights. Uh, we will, uh, I think, be live tomorrow night. Not with NXT, though. We may be doing some WWE 2K, man. WWE 2K, or maybe I'll just play some Destiny, man. I don't know. I don't know. Depends on what I'm feeling, man. But you guys love 2K, so I think we'll play some 2K. And then Wednesday, I'll be back live with Jesse for the AEW Dynamite post show on OTS. It's the go-home show for Double or Nothing. But make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. Thank you for the 1,100 likes. Thank you for the 2,700 live tonight. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for all the recommitments to the VIP club. Thank you for the new memberships in the VIP club. Go check out. Off the script, 431 yesterday on the homepage right now. Go and check it out. Go check out Manscaped, manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. And follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206 on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, I need two things from you. I need those guitar emojis, if you got them. My VIPs. I need those Mustang emojis. And I need that fucking music on Max, man. I'll see you guys tomorrow night and live back again Wednesday for AEW Dynamite right here 
on OTS. I will see you guys later.